0: Hello and welcome to the Stage Free Podcast. I'm April Angeletta and I'm here with Chuck Perryman and Jonathan Newmark, who is a featured composer on our next concert at Potter Violins on Monday, November 5th at 7.30pm. We're really excited to have Jonathan here with us to talk about his music, the piece that will be on the concert and his background.
1: Yeah. So let's start with a little bit of background. Uh, Jonathan, where do you live currently?
2: I live in Burke, Virginia.
1: Okay, so you're pretty local then. Have you always lived in in Virginia?
2: No, 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 no. I've moved around a lot. I've been here since the beginning of 2006. Oh, great. Except for the years I spent in grad school shuttling back and forth between here and Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, and so did you go to, um, what's it called, CCM?
2: I went to CCM for my master's 2014-2015, okay. I just graduated three years ago.
1: Oh great, okay. wow.
0: What is CCM?
1: Oh, for April and everyone else, what, what does CCM <laughs> <It is> mean? <laughs> the
2: College Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati, which is one of the four largest conservatories in the United States.
1: Great, cool. and was that a master's degree in, in composition? Yes, it was. Cool, um, and how long have you been writing music?
2: Good question. I started probably in junior high school and then came to an absolute and crashing halt somewhere around 1967, 1968 and stopped. Wow. And the reason why is something that people of your generation find it very hard to believe when I tell them, but it's absolutely true. I had the misfortune to be a piano student at the Juilliard Pre-College at that point. Mm Mm-hmm and i was a very young high school student i was like fourteen fifteen uh... i graduated from high school at sixteen, as it turns out and at that time this was the nineteen sixties this was juilliard the epicenter of academic music in the united states and there was only one received style to compose in Mm. and if you didn't write in that style you were not a composer and although i do not Write as you now know, music that sounds like it could have been written by Mozart or Beethoven.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In fact, I don't write music using um, a lot of functional harmony. Nonetheless, I'm not attracted to the style that was the only appropriate style at that time. And I also had the misfortune of being an older kid. You know, I'm the oldest in my family, very, very young. And I thought that adults knew what they were talking about. (laughs) And those adults included the graduate students at Juilliard that I ran into. And everybody told me, well, you can't be a composer because you're not doing this. And I was getting a lot of, um, uh, messages from my family and from my community, music is wonderful, music is great, but, you know, isn't it wonderful that you can do something else, <clears throat> so I sort of gave it up, kept up the instruments as an avocation, went to a good liberal arts college and had a completely different career, started writing again uh, seriously um, in 1993, so there's a long gap
1: Yeah, definitely. There.
2: Very long gap. Uh, at that point, I was on the job market, temporarily unemployed, hanging out. At the time, I was living in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, and I got my very first composition lessons because I looked around. I said, gee, I've always wanted to write. Uh, looked up online, I think it was online already, and I found all of the faculty and all the local uh, universities, and um, I ran that name those names past people I knew from my other musical careers and one of them said, Oh, I know that guy. I was at Eastman with him. You he'd be a good person So I went over to Westchester University, under the table, paid some money to this faculty member, uh, unofficially and, and started doing that. That was in nineteen ninety three. Okay. And did stuff You know, a a little bit here, a little bit there. Did a couple of commissions for my friends, mostly through the Bennington Conference, which has been the center of my musical life for the last 37 years. Mm -hmm. And one day in 2009, I'd already moved here, actually. um, I I, I got the opportunity to do a CD, all locally produced here in the D.C. area, of four of my works. And the composer of the week that summer at Bennington was Lisa Bilowa, who's a real composer. She was the vocalist from um, with Philip Glass for a long time. She won the Rome Prize, so she's obviously a, a very well-established composer, and she was nice enough to give me a lesson at the Bennington conference, and I showed her what I was doing, she looks at me, and she said, have you ever considered going to graduate school? Yeah. I said, no. <laughs> but, Lisa, you know, at this point, I'm 56 years old, all right? But I said, you know, Lisa, it's fine. you should mention that, because in four years I become eligible for military retirement, and I get post-9-11 GI Bill benefits. Wow. Let me investigate this. Yeah. And that's how I ended up going to graduate school, and I was extraordinarily lucky to do it at CCM for yeah. several reasons, and we can get to that, one of which is the person who inspired me to write this particular piece that is being done next week.
1: Um, well, if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about uh, the piece that you have coming up? He tells oh, the, sure. tell the, the title. The
2: piece that is being done by Martin. Actually, I should tell you how that happened. Yeah, you asked, sure. You know, how how this happened? This is so completely bizarre. I came back from grad school and had this. Well, now what do I do? Uh, and among the things that I do is I I apply to a bunch of score calls. So I, in preparation for talking to you, I went back and looked at the emails. The original submission was January, not quite a year ago. Um, one of several score calls I submit to to people I've never heard of. It was either on Composer's site or Scion, you know, the Society of Composers, yeah. Inc. Mm-hmm. And, and it simply said, Submit pieces didn't cost anything to Bruce Mayen, a professor at Radford University in Virginia, and this would be for a CD by Martin Jones, a name that meant nothing to me. <laughs> so I submitted this because I'm the only person who's ever played it. Didn't think anything further of it. Then in March of 2018, I get an email from Bruce Mann. Martin likes your piece, oh, that's and we'd great. Like to do it. Your contribution will be X Y Z. Well, it was at this point that I looked up who Martin Jones was, mm-hmm. and practically fell through the floor. <laughs> this man is an institution. He is 78 years old. He has re- he has released 60 CDs, most of which are on Nimbus. He won the Dame Myra Hess Award, which is the top award for British pianists, in 1968. Mm -hmm. Right. And the first thing I did was I immediately sent an email to my teacher, Joel Hoffman. Joel was my teacher at my first two semesters at CCM. Mm-hmm. The first piece I wrote when I got there was a sextet for trombones, which is another story. When I would completed that, Joel, who's a wonderful pianist, had said to me, you should write a solo piano piece because you're a pianist. You'd be able to play it yourself. So I wrote this piece. That was how it came about. Yeah. And I wanted to thank Joel for pushing me to write it. So I sent this note to him he's now retired living in New York and I said this pianist Martin Jones from England has selected this piece thank you for pushing me to write it and I got the most unexpected reply from him congratulations he said Martin was my undergraduate piano teacher at the University of Cardiff you will enjoy working with him
1: what a crazy coincidence
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's that's why I'm looking forward I've never met Mr Jones I've never spoken to him we've had exactly one email where he asked me something specific about the piece <laughs> but that's it yeah other than the premiere which you've now heard on my my website mm-hmm. I've done the first movement up at uh, Columbia University earlier this year but I also orchestrated the first movement, and that's been done as a standalone orchestra piece once in Cincinnati. It was actually done here uh, in 2015 by the Trinity Chamber Orchestra of Washington. They did it as sort of a favor to me because I've been associated with them in a in an indirect way for many, many years. I know most of those folks. Yeah,
1: that's great. I, that's great that you orchestrated it. Now, can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, what's the name of the piece?
2: Oh, this is a piano sonata. It started out, and the reason it's a piano sonata is that it started out as my thinking, gee, you know, I'm at a university, I'm at a conservatory, I should write a piece in Sonata allegro form. I haven't done that in a long, 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 long time. So I started out, well, I'm going to walk over to the, the keyboard because I'll give you an idea. Oh, great. And I had what, what often happens with me is I was thinking about one of my absolutely favorite pieces of all time, which mine does not quote at all, but I'll play you this and you see if you can recognize it. You probably won't, by the way. Do you recognize it?
1: Unfortunately, I do not. <laughs> what is it?
2: Okay. it is. This is the opening piano solo of the last movement of the Bohuslav Martinu Piano Quartet 1944. Oh. And I adore that piece. I've performed it because I'm mostly a chamber player. That's what I really do. Okay. And so I'm thinking of doing a piece which will have um, sonata allegro form. And what I did was I borrowed the rhythm from Bohuslav Martin. Oh, okay, okay. Didn't borrow anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote this, you know, like two bars. This is the first two bars of the piano piece. <laughs> okay, so that rhythm. Yeah. And then I said, okay, I'm going to write a sonata allegro form piece, and it starts in C, it goes to G, it has a development, and then it stays in C. Mm-hmm. Very, very Mozartian. Yeah. And so I wrote that, and then, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how it happened. Three more movements came out, and they are all riffs off the first movement. So right. everything in yeah, and and that was why I was to held together, you know, multi movement stuff. Martin, for whatever reason, has chosen to do the first and the last movement. I actually don't necessarily think they're the better two, but it's what he wanted to do. I'm just honored that he would do it at all. By the way, you know the story about how this stage-free concert came about.
1: Well, I know that you were picked, and I think that he decided to do it because you were in town, Right. right?
2: It's, it's even crazier than that okay. here it, 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 it it's a more involved story than that because you guys are sort of the people who rode to the rescue normally the way this project that bruce Mayne, who i've also never met we've spoken i think once but the way he does it is once he selected the pieces or actually martin largely selects the pieces apparently he comes to the united states he records them and performs them in radford virginia in november then he goes back to england over the next year Bruce who is not just a composer and a teacher at Radford but also a recording engineer turns it into a CD post production etc. Right. Martin returns in the not the following November and tours that repertoire with this new CD that's now available to the cities where the composers live. Right. I got selected in March of 18 for November 19. Okay. But it all came out. The composers for November 19 turn out all to live in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana. Mm-hmm. So Bruce said, "You're welcome to come and t- tour around with us in November of 19." I said, "Great." that Then I I'd, I'd spoken to one of the composers who had done this in previous year, and she said, "It's a wonderful experience." I said, "I look forward to doing it." Are you doing anything in D.C.? He says, "Well, we really don't have any plans to do that." And that, okay, fine, I'm still happy to be part of the thing. I'm just amazed that I'm part of the thing. (laughs) Two months go by, and Bruce contacts me, and he says, something has happened. We had a date in this year's tour, which is Pennsylvania, West Virginia, at Pennsylvania State University. It has fallen through, Okay. and we can put your piece on it if you can find us a place in the D.C. area. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I started giving him some suggestions in the D.C. area, and he said, I'll work on it, I'll work on it. And then I suddenly hear, oh, there's this group called Stage Free, and I'm working with them, and I think we have a date with them. I had never heard of Stage Free.
1: Well, we're well, not. We haven't been around long <laughs> Because
2: we relatively new.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are.
2: <laughs> okay. So, and, and what I now understand after we met is you guys were actually sending out your score calls to all the composers in the regional universities, Saying, do your students have any pieces that might be interesting for our programs? And Bruce apparently said to you, "Well, yeah, but I also have this pianist coming. Would you like him?"
1: <laughs> yeah, we were absolutely floored by that. We couldn't believe our luck, frankly, that he would think of us. And that, again, that's an amazing coincidence that it worked out to to oh, yeah. uh, to make it local for you and everything. It's so great.
2: You guys are the white knights who you know rode, <laughs> rode into town. Well, we're happy to do it. think it, but that that's how that happened and uh i mean i'm just hoping to enjoy myself on monday at the state because i've never meet, met these people
1: yeah well i have never met most of them either obviously i've never met martin i've only talked to bruce a couple times i've met you that's one person <laughs>
2: oh but, you know i went to um the district the new music dc mm-hmm. thing um I guess primarily for networking, but in my case, it's a need for a community. And I really, I I don't want to seem greedy. I have a big musical community, but I come out of a very different parallel universe. And it wasn't until I started graduate school at the age of 60 that I realized the extent to which I lived in a parallel universe. I've spent 40-plus years playing very avidly in the amateur chamber music community. Yeah, and that's
1: one thing we, we really want to do with Stage Free is is help people connect with each other across generations, across different musical tastes, and hopefully we'll have a, a good turnout for Monday, and it should be really great. Uh, did you have any other questions, April?
0: I was just wondering if, if your ex- professional experience as a neurosurgeon is having any influence on the way that you write music.
2: First of all, I'm not a neurosurgeon. Or I'm a neurology. neurologist. Neurologist. Yeah. And I don't know, it would be indirect. I mean, for years, I combined it in a different way. I was one of the co founders of the Performing Arts Medicine Association, and I ran a clinic for performing artists, wrote a lot of papers on that. I'm still involved in PAMA on a very low level. Um, I think that being a clinician, made me a much better listener than I otherwise would have been. It certainly has helped me to hone the interpersonal skills that are really important in places like rehearsals right. and, and you know how you deal with people and that sort of thing. In terms of actually putting dots on lines, it's Highly indirect, but I have, you know, I've got two projects for vocal music which relate to what I did for many, many years in chem casualty care. It's had some other side benefits. I mean, I could tell you some lovely war stories about what has happened to me as a military officer when people discovered I was a good musician. (laughs) And I'll. I'll, I'll give you one because, one example. because you can't make up. <laughs> 1993, yes, 1993. I report for active duty. My very first active duty assignment at Madigan Army Medical Center in Fort Lewis, Washington. I was 40 years old. And I had it was a long build-up to that, and I really was not paying much attention to what was going to go on musically because I just wanted to get out there and start this new life, new job, and so forth. I've been there about six weeks and realized we had a three-star general commanded the post, and by basis of allocation, a three-star general gets a band well i hadn't really thought about what i was going to do with the army band after all i'm in the hospital call up the army band and the guy who answered turned out to be a trumpet player which is relevant because trumpet players don't necessarily know a lot about woodwind music and i said do you have a wind quintet well sir sometimes we have to provide one for a dinner what do you have in mind well i play a lot of piano wind chamber music i said uh, do you ever need somebody like that? Well, what do you have in mind? And I start listing works: the Pooch Sextet, the Beethoven Quintet, the Mozart Quintet, et mm-hmm. cetera, et cetera. And he doesn't know these works because he doesn't play them. He's a trumpet player. Right. So I said, oh. I'll put a bunch of, I'll give you a list, and I'll put it in your office mail. Very good, sir. That'll be great. This is like the beginning of December. They go on block leave for Christmas and New Year's. Then there's the Martin Luther King birthday weekend. I'm sitting in clinic about the 24th of January. I've forgotten the whole thing. And the phone rings. And it's this strike infantry voice. And the guy says, you're Newmark. And I said, yeah, this is Dr. Newmark. What can I do for you? I have to do this in one breath, folks. And he says, sir, this is Staff Sergeant Chinese Feld of the Icarat Band. And Dr. Mr. Jerry has ordered us to play with you. What will Tuesday do, sir? I had no idea what to say. I said, Well, cheese, Staff Sergeant, that would be very nice. What would you like to play? That's up to you, sir! I hung up the phone, I was in hysterics, I was saying, they give me the most beautiful hospital in the world, they give me all these patients who are just thronging to get in, they give me these wonderful colleagues, they give me these residents who are all U.S. graduates and so forth, and then they issue me a government-issue Whitwin quintet, what's wrong with this picture? So, you know, it's it's been fun. Yeah. You have no idea how much fun you can have, but the nicest story, and this is not a joke, when I was going to retire from the army as a colonel, okay, and I'm going to use my post nine eleven 11 GI benefits to go back to graduate school as a composer, I told a lot of people what I was planning to do. Family, uh, civilian musician, friends, right, uh, civilians who were not musicians, and the reactions fell on a spectrum from "Isn't that wonderful?" all the way to, why are you bothering to do that? Don't you know that stuff already? (laughs) But the Army people were different, and it was across the board. The first time someone said this to me, it shocked me, and then the next one said it, and then the next one said it, and I was really, really humbled. They would not have those other reactions. They would get dead serious. They would stand up straight. They would look me straight in the eye, and they would say, don't you dare... Have any second thoughts about doing that? I put my uniform on every morning so you can go out and write music. Do it and do it well. That's incredible. That's really awesome. Oh,
1: that's really incredible. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, so being in the military was, uh, in many respects, a wonderful thing. It, 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 It was not what I had expected. I figured I would spend. No, I started out as a weekender, never thought I would go active duty. Mm -hmm. I went active duty thinking I would do it for four years and get out. Never imagined I would stay for 20. I went active duty thinking I would spend the rest of my military career in the clinic seeing patients. And, in fact, I got turned into a chemical warfare expert. And you you saw that CV. I mean, I had Mm -hmm. so many foreign travel, it's ridiculous. Uh, You should see my frequent flyer balance. (laughs) Uh, you know, your, your tax dollars is at work. And then they sent me, essentially, to one of the best conservatories in the country for free because of the GI Bill, which is a, one of the few things our Congress has gotten right.
1: Yeah, amen. The GI Bill
2: is unbelievable. I agree. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. at any rate, I'm incredibly, incredibly lucky to be able to do this.
1: Yeah. Well, we're incredibly lucky to have your piece on the program, and I personally cannot wait to talk to you more. Uh, yeah. about, about your life and everything. This has been really great. And uh, April...
2: Happy Halloween. Yeah, uh, you, you know, too. Be a... To come by tomorrow, and I'll see you on Monday.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. Have a great night, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. See you both. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to the Stage Free podcast. To learn more about Stage Free and all of our upcoming performances, please visit stagefree.org. The concert featuring Jonathan Newmark's Piano Sonata will be Concert 2.3, Martin Jones, and that's this coming Monday, November 5th at 7.30 p.m. The location is the John Kendall Recital Hall at Potter Violins in Tacoma Park. Tickets are pay-what-you-can, so please go to stagefree.org to reserve your spot for the concert. We hope to see you there.